the pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Well, good afternoon. That is very good news to hear, Jeff. Very, very glad. Sounds like it's going to be a very special Thanksgiving. Folks, good afternoon on this Monday. It's John DePietro Thanksgiving week right here on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. This portion of the program, while it is certainly cooled off, uh, today's actually a decent day, as you just heard in the the weather forecast. But um, yeah, temperatures in the 50s we can take. Certainly going to be chilly on uh, on Wednesday. Actually, it looks kind of nice on Thanksgiving Day. But remember, our friends, uh, wherever you can hear the program at J.K.L. Engineering, well, one thing that we know is that the price of oil, as you know, because of the Biden policies, continues to go up. With J.K.L. Engineering, they can reduce the oil, your oil bill by as much as 90%. J.K.L., call them today, 401 401- 351-7600-401-351-7600. J.K.L. Engineering. Estimates are free. Financing is available. They're licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Wherever you can hear my voice, call J.K.L. Engineering today. 401-351-7600. Whether you're in Bellingham or Rentham or Cumberland or Lincoln or Johnston, anywhere, J.K.L., License in Rhode Island and Massachusetts, JKL. Estimates are free. Financing is available. And remember, reduce your oil bill by as much as 90%. 55 years in business, especially they have the reputation second to none, especially for technical expertise and customer satisfaction. It's JKL Engineering, 401-351-7600. Folks, as always, good afternoon at 108 on this Monday. Continuing to follow the breaking news out of Wisconsin that is just uh, horrible. They don't believe, they do not believe this was a terror attack. They believe it was now believed someone fleeing another crime scene. That is the latest working theory of this individual that they have. He was involved with some kind of a knife incident. He was fleeing the scene. But right now, I believe it is still five people have died and 40 people in the hospital and and it is um the 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 footage of it because it because as you can imagine it's a parade so a lot of people are there filming they have friends family members that are you know walking by the parade and um but right now the individual who they have seems to be a lone suspect and the police are going to be doing an update we'll cover that coming up in um but I did want to mention, um, go to the website, folks, to Petro.com, which is brought to you by the Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, a Rhode Island tradition since 1977. There's a great meal waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. So we're going to monitor six children are listed in critical condition. It's horrible, horrible, horrible story um, out of uh, out of Wisconsin. But let's go back. Some more sound, folks. It's not your imagination. This is going to be uh, an unusual holiday with the fact of uh, just how expensive things are, the price of things. And this is Bidenflation, as they're calling it. Now, today is also, it was on this date 58 years ago today, 1963, Walter Cronkite. 
Dallas, Texas, the flash apparently official, President Kennedy died at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, 2 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, some 38 minutes ago. Vice President Lyndon Johnson has left the hospital in uh, Dallas, but we do not know uh, to where he has proceeded. Uh, presumably, he will be taking the oath of office shortly and become uh, the 36th president of the United States. Wow. You know, you really hear it there, folks. Boy, you get chills, or I do. Cronkite trying to keep it together during that time. Um, let's go with some sound, starting with... ABC's Good Morning America. Inflation is hitting Americans very hard. Let's listen to this piece. Sky high prices at the checkout line. We all know that inflation hitting Americans hard, with prices for food consumed at home jumping 5.4% ahead of the holiday. This according to the Bureau of Labor. Ariel Reshev joins us with ways to cut costs in just a few days, as you know, until Thanksgiving. Good morning, Ariel. Think of that, folks. 14% higher in one year. Now, there's another problem that's going on, and this has to do with the smash and grabs. Have you seen this in San Francisco and Chicago? These are uh, progressives and uh, protesters. Where um, San Francisco, it's, it's really bad. Where they have now, uh, in San Francisco, they've said that if something is stolen under the cost of 1000 they let it go. So, but these uh, brazen smash and grab robberies, mobs of people rush in and steal from a store. Um, let's hear this report on ABC. Action after this series of really brazen smash and grabs. Thieves are entering stores at all hours of the day, and some are making off with up to a million dollars in goods. The latest robbery on Saturday in San Francisco, 80 thieves running into a Nordstrom, stealing goods and smashing shelves. Officers stomping one car, arresting a man and a woman, and then a third suspect was caught on foot. A day earlier, also in San Francisco, more than $1 million in merchandise was stolen after thieves broke into several stores that day. Walgreens is already closing several San Francisco stores after videos of brazen shoplifters went viral, including video appearing to show a man riding his bike out of a store with a bag full of stolen items. And the Chicago area has also been hit hard. Just last week, 14 suspects ran into this Louis Vuitton store, grabbing $120,000 in purses and other items before fleeing in getaway cars. And police say in that case, the store's security guard was on a break. George, See, you know, in this type of thing, folks, this is. These are progressives. These are Biden voters, by the way. Let's be very clear about that. These are Biden voters. Um, you know who is a, a clown who's running um, running for governor again in Texas? Is that Beto O'Rourke? Um, I think he's a, uh, a, a total clown. Um, but. You know, let him be exposed. He's a big one of we're going to remove guns from the people. See how that how that plays in Texas. But the next six months, folks, this is where I think I don't believe and we are standing by. There's going to have another press briefing or a press briefing, I should say, in Wisconsin. But um, I don't believe that Governor McKee, I don't think he's got a 59 percent approval rating. 
uh, they the morning console poll. I think they 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 started polling in July, and it wasn't until August that Governor McKee had the um, the big problem with his chief of staff Tony Silva, and and then Governor McKee had a bad September. Now, I, I believe the next morning console poll that comes out. I think that's where you I think you're going to see Governor McKee. They're going to say, whoa, he dropped 10 points. But I don't I don't believe I just don't believe he's at 59 percent. I don't. Between the unrest with the with at the very least, it doesn't make sense that he would have such a higher approval rating than President Biden. I don't believe that. Do you know, in the state of West Virginia, President Biden is a 32 percent approval rating. So I'm willing to bet in Rhode Island. I'm going to I think the Biden approval rating is under 50 percent. So we, we're not going to know until the next morning console poll comes out. But I think they used. See, Governor Raimondo consistently had low poll numbers. Her poll numbers were not that much different poll to poll with this morning consult. Governor Charlie Baker, the governor of Massachusetts, consistently had uh, high poll numbers. So it didn't fluctuate that much. I think Governor McKee, once August hit, he started to see his numbers go down. He had the contract controversy. He still have the problems with COVID, problem with his chief of staff, uh, and then Biden taking a hit. So some beyond his control, some self-inflicted wounds. I would guess Governor McKee's approval rating is more low to mid-40s. I'm going to I believe he's at least 10 points off, but it's not 60 percent. It is not. And folks, the way inflation remains, I it hurts. He's now seen as the incumbent governor because he is the governor. So but that piece on ABC's this week for the next six months, we're going to be paying a lot more. And there's, there's no way that people get angry at that, get frustrated and we're taking it out on someone. Let's listen. This is the pace on uh, this week. Going there. Heading into the holiday. The White House has said this is a transitory problem. But is it more fundable, fun, fundamental? Is this going to stick around? Well, Martha, from your excellent report, I mean, we saw with those families. I mean, it's everything. It's food. It's gasoline. This 30-year high. So for them, it feels fundamental. It feels basic because it is. In speaking with economist Gregory Dacko, is one of note at Oxford Economics, he does say in the next 12 months that pricing pressures should begin to come down the logic being that some of these supply chain issues that we've been hit so hard with will begin to mitigate and that is going to take down some of the pricing pressure but in the near term for the next six months let's face it we are all going to pay more for everything rent food gasoline the next six months is belt tightening and it's a difficult time of year for a lot of people who would like to enjoy the holidays with their friends. see i just don't believe that governor mckee is um, immune, immune from that. I don't believe that. I don't think that. How about I'm looking right now. Bay Area hit third consecutive day of looting. Thieves take advantage of woke misdemeanor law. If you say it's a misdemeanor for shoplifting, what, what do you think is going to happen? Um, 
I, I, I want to repeat, if, if you say it's no big deal if people shoplift, then, then people are going to shoplift. I'm also saying, how about Target stores are no longer going to be open on Thanksgiving? That was always controversial when they would um, uh, post, uh, they would be open, they would be open on Thanksgiving night. So now we are standing by, I see President Biden has put out a statement, I remain steadfast, do everything in your power, ensure Americans treat equally, fairness and dignity under the law. Um, but Harris, the verdict speaks for itself, blah, blah, blah. Well, we're standing by. There's supposed to be an update with this Wisconsin Christmas parade. That is uh, terrible. But what did I also, I just saw another story that I want to mention. Fox News correspondent Gillian Turner. The case is tragic as Kyle may have been acquitted, but he's not a hero here. There are no heroes. There are no winners. There's no victory lap for Kyle or anybody else. Well, no one, no one was saying that. People like that. He he was there to defend himself. If he was found guilty, there'd be a, a much, much larger problem here. Much larger problem, as a matter of fact. So we're going to um, Biden offers conflicting responses to verdict. You know, that that is to me, see, that is true, because on the one hand, President Biden is um, President Biden is is trying to say that he respects it, but then when he issued a statement, he he said he understands why people are upset by this verdict. But just to repeat the latest, there does not seem to be a connection. Now the man involved, Daryl Brooks, the suspect in this Christmas parade, posted a lot of anti woke. White posts on Facebook, he waited on the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict call for violence against white people. So now that's interesting. What South Americans are preparing? Oh my god. Um, he he was in fact calling for violence against white people. So we're gonna have to wait until we get more information from um. Uh, from from Wisconsin, as they're going to have the uh, we'll have more information. I believe I'm sure they I believe they have a press briefing coming up, and we'll bring it to you live, folks. This portion of the John DePietro show on this Monday is brought to you by Centerdale Revival. Stop it and see Shane and Company Comfort Food Cocktails, 2025 Smith Street in North Providence. There's a link right on the website depietro.com. I also want to play one of the members of the squad. There's this uh, reporter that works for Axios, and a lot of people didn't like him because he did a Jonathan Swain, Swan, um, I think it's Swain, but he, he did an interview with President Trump, but he asked her, you endorsed a bill. This is this, this uh, Representative Tlaib, and he asked her, you're, you're saying that everybody should be released from prison. And what I like is he holds her feet to the fire. She she supported a bill in 10 years. Every federal prison is empty. When he holds her feet to the fire, she basically admits that she's not fully on board with that. I want to play here. I want you to hear the sound of this. 
in 2020, you endorsed as, uh, the Breathe Act, which yeah. is a series of proposals to transform America's criminal justice system and create, quote, a roadmap for prison abolition. The Breathe Act proposes emptying federal detention facilities within 10 years. To what extent have you wrestled with any potential downsides of releasing into society every single person who's currently in a federal prison? Yeah, I, again, I think that everyone's like, oh my God, we're going to just release everybody. That's not this what I'm Yeah, is. but did you see how many people are mentally ill that are in prison right now? No, I know, but the act that you so actually gonna, says release everyone. In but 10 in 10 years, years, but think about it, who releases? There are like human traffickers, oh, I know. child sex. So I mean, that, do you mean that you don't actually support that? No, you, you endorse the no, I endorse the Breed Act and looking at federal uh, the policies and how we incarcerate. Absolutely. But it says in there. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot just blankly say, oh, look, she wants, that's not what I'm saying. But that's like in plain text. But there? what I'm saying is look at who's in prison now. No, look at the folks that are mentally that have substance abuse but problems. I'm not have... disagreeing with you that there are people who yeah, should be Why are you asking me about them? You're asking me about the human no, traffickers and others that no, should I'm trying to understand. No, no, no. What I'm trying to understand is your, your proposal is so sweeping. It, oh, does, oh, it does release yeah. everyone. And what I'm trying to say to you is... Within 10 years, and yeah. obviously there's a process of looking at how can we get away from mass incarceration sure. and move towards care first. But what I'm trying to understand, because it is such a sweeping concrete proposal, do you believe that there are still categories of people who, who should are, be behind bars. There are absolutely okay. folks that I don't under, you know, I don't know because right now the way the prison system is supposed to be like rehabilitary, you know, it's supposed to be rehabilitation. Right? You know, they're, they're great at changing the subject. They're absolutely great at trying to change the subject, but unsuccessfully. Now, folks, it's 124. Good afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Now, I believe President Biden is speaking right now, and he's talking about inflation and the supply chain. So I want to go to that. He is, in fact, um, let's go to President Biden speaking out right now about supply chain and inflation crisis. And it's a small business presidency. So, if you look at the facts, here's what the record shows. Record job creation, record economic growth, record new small business creation. That's the story that should give us confidence about the economy that we're building. Confidence in ourselves. Confidence in the future. Now, after years of wages being flat or falling behind, we're also seeing something else. Things are getting better for American workers. Higher wages, better benefits, more flexible schedules. Balance sheets for American families are better as well. Savings are up. Home equity is up. Credit card balances are down. And if you continue and combine the wage increases we've seen with the, with the direct relief my administration has provided to middle-class families, the typical middle class family's disposable income has actually gone up 2% this year, even after accounting for higher prices. That's the kind of recovery just one year after a crippling worldwide economic crisis that's unprecedented. And it takes us, you know, it, it, it makes us stand out from the rest of the world. America is the only major economy, the only one in the world where the economy is bigger today. And families have more money in their pockets today than before the pandemic hit. That's even after accounting for inflation. None of our competitors internationally can say that. 
None. It's a testament to the hard work and perseverance of the American people. It's a testament to the effectiveness of the vaccines and our vaccination effort. And it's a testament to the economic policies we fought so hard to pass and put in place, especially the American Rescue Plan. And it's a testament to the Federal Reserve. But for all the progress we've made, we know we still are faced challenges, serious challenges. We know there's a lot of fear and uncertainty in the country. We know, we know it's tough for families to keep up with the rising cost of gasoline, food, housing, and other essentials. It's not just an American problem. It's a worldwide problem. Doesn't make it easy for Americans, but it's a worldwide problem. Every country is dealing with the same problems emerging from the pandemic. Supply chain bottlenecks, disruption caused by spikes in COVID-19, elevated prices. They're all taking a bite out of our family budgets. Perhaps no entity pays a more important role in navigating these challenges than the Federal Reserve. Because it's the Fed's job to balance two key goals. The first is to achieve maximum employment, to get as many American worker, Americans working, working as possible. The second is to keep inflation low and stable. To meet these goals is going to require patience, skill, and independence. That's why today I'm nominating Jerome Powell for a second term as chair of the Federal Reserve. And I'm, non, I'm, nom, I'm nominating Lael Brainerd to take the position as vice chair of the Federal Reserve. When our country was hemorrhaging jobs last year and there was panic in our financial markets, Jay's steady and decisive leadership helped to stabilize markets and put our economy on track to a robust recovery. Jay is a believer in the benefits of what economists call maximum employment. That's an economy where companies have to compete to attract workers instead of workers competing with each other for jobs. Where American workers get steady wage increases after decades of stagnation. Where the benefits of economic growth are broadly shared by everyone in the country, not just concentrated for those at the top. Jay said it well last month, and I'm going to quote him. He said, and I quote, an economy is healthier and stronger when as many people as possible were able to work. If entrenched inequities prevent some Americans from participating fully in our labor markets, not only will they be held back from opportunities, but the economy overall will not realize its potential. And those who have historically been left behind stand the best chance of prospering in a strong economy with plentiful job opportunities, end of quote. As chair, Janner took a landmark review to reinforce the Federal Reserve's mission toward delivering full employment. We're making strong progress toward that goal now. And I believe Jay is the right person to see us through and finish that effort while also addressing the threat of inflation that it opposes to our families and to our economy. Jay and I have had a chance to discuss his views on priorities for the Federal Reserve in the years ahead. He's made clear to me the top priority will be to accelerate the Fed's effort to address and mitigate the risk, the risk that climate change poses to our financial system and our economy. Extreme weather has cost our economy over $600 billion over the last 10 years. We have to make sure our financial system can withstand climate change and is prepared to transition to clean energy. 
The Fed must be a leader among central banks globally in addressing climate-related financial risks. He's also underscored the importance of the Fed taking a more proactive role in the months and years ahead and making sure that our financial regulations are staying ahead of emerging risks, be they from innovations in cryptocurrency or the practice of less regulated non-bank financial institutions. Having served as vice president during the depths of the 2009 financial crisis, having worked with President Obama to put in place a stronger financial rules of the road, I understand the stakes of our regulations falling asleep at the switch, regulators falling asleep at the switch. Jay, along with the other members of the Fed board that I will nominate, must ensure that we never again expose our economy and American families to those kinds of risks. I respect Jay's independence, and I also trust that he will follow through on his commitment to prioritize these issues with the skill that he has shown in his service to date. Now, some will no doubt question why I'm renominating Jay when he was the choice of a Republican predecessor. Why am I not picking a Democrat? Why am, I, why am I not picking fresh blood or taking the Fed in a different direction? Put directly, at this moment both of a, both enormous potential and enormous uncertainty for our economy, we need stability and independence at the Federal Reserve. Jay has proven the independence that I value in the federal chair, in the, in the Fed chair. In the last administration, he stood up to unprecedented political interference and in doing so successfully maintained the integrity and credibility of this his institution. It's just one of the many reasons why Jay has support from across the political spectrum. In 2018, he was confirmed with 84 votes in the United States Senate. His approach as Fed chair has earned the respect and support of groups from the AFL-CIO to the Business Roundtable. Which brings me to one more reason I have chosen to renominate Jay. I believe that having Fed leadership with a broad bipartisan support is important, especially now in such a politically divided nation. I believe we need to do everything we can to take the bitter partisanship of today's politics out of something as important as the independence and credibility of the Federal Reserve. This is vital to maintaining public trust in an independent institution like the Federal Reserve. And that is why I'm so proud as well to nominate Dr. Leo Brainerd, you know, to serve as vice chair of the Federal Reserve. You know, by uh, promoting Lael today to vice chair, I'm elevating one of the country's most qualified and dedicated public servants. She's one of the nation's leading macroeconomists. She spent years at the Treasury Department representing American capitals around the world on international economic issues. And she spent nearly the last decade as a member of the Fed, most recently working side by side with Jay as the Fed navigated historic economic and financial crises and reaffirmed his commitment to a full employment economy. Throughout her time at the Fed, Layla's also been a steadfast voice for tough rules to protect the pensions and savings of the American people. She's led the Fed's efforts to make sure the banking system serves everyone in the communities they serve. So that regardless of where you live or your background, every American can have access to credit they need to start a business, buy a home, and just have a fair chance in life. She's done pioneering work and how the Fed should account for the emerging risk of climate change to our financial system. 
and like Jay, her expertise and leadership have earned her the respect and support of Republicans and Democrats alike. I'm proud to nominate her to the vital role of Vice Chair of the Federal Reserve. Beyond Jay and Lael, I look forward in the coming weeks to nominating additional members of the Federal Reserve Board of Governors, including a new Vice Chair for Supervision. These individuals will help safeguard our financial system, and alongside Jay and Lael's leadership, help to support and continue this historic economic recovery, while Jay and Lael bring continuity and stability to the Fed, my additions will bring new perspectives and new voices. I also pledge that my additions will bring new diversity to the Fed, which is much needed and long overdue in my view. Last year, the pandemic shut down much of the global economy. Now there's a worldwide reawakening and it's creating both an incredible opportunities and tough challenges. As economies all across the world come back from this, this pandemic, America's leading the way. Like every country in the world, we have to deal with these issues of rising costs. But we should remember, we have the skill and tools to get it under control. While other countries are stumbling out of this pandemic, we're racing ahead. Because so much for the rest of our economy is doing well. Because we have created so many new jobs as fast as we have. We're in a position to attack inflation from the position of strength, not weakness. In times like these, we need steady, tested, principled leadership at the Fed. We need people with sound judgment and proven courage to preserve the independence of the Fed. And we need people of character and integrity who can be trusted to keep their focus on the right long-term goals of our country, for our country. I'm confident Jay and Lail are those people. Now I'd like to give both Jay and Lail an opportunity to say a few words. And we're going to start with Jay, and then I'm going to turn to Leo. All right, folks, again, you've been listening. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, it's President Biden. Well, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. I can only listen to so much of uh, the president. I was initially thinking maybe he would talk a little bit more about the situation in, um, in Wisconsin, and maybe even a little bit more, but... Uh, obviously, he did not. This portion of the John DePietro show, folks, right now at one thirty-six, is um, is brought to you by Brothers Disposal. Come on, brother, call Brothers Disposal today. Remember, Brothers Disposal. If if you need, do you need a nice dumpster in your driveway to get rid of some unwanted belongings? Call Brother Roland today at four zero one six eight eight zero five one seven. Look for them on Facebook. The purple, yellow dumpsters you know i said to roland our brother's disposal um you know the purple dumpsters he said well then when we got them that's what color they were and they really stand out and it's true it's very effective look for them on facebook brother's disposal and now offering weekly trash collection services brother's disposal 401-688-0517 well folks good afternoon at 137 again the situation in um, Wisconsin, they have the person they believe uh, they, they're saying that they think he was fleeing another crime, but uh, just terrible uh, devastation with the Christmas parade. And they believe that he was fl- uh, fleeing a crime. I want to go to, though, there's a um, good story on NBC 10. I feel terrible about this. Um, some people in North Providence, two families been driven out of their home. 
Uh, it was discovered rats had gotten inside. I mean, it's just so egregious to think about. You had the rat problem in Cranston, and then now you have a rat problem in in North Providence. It's just um, it's it's just brutal. I feel for these people, and uh, the mayor's involved. Let's listen. This is a piece of it on uh, NBC 10. Send a family packing in North Providence. The family had to move and wants the town to help them. The night team's Cal Demoski has both sides of the story tonight. Dale Rankin's fight with rats on his property began way back in 2020. But on Friday, it kicked up a notch after he and others had to leave this home behind me for their own safety. I wasn't prepared for this. As Thanksgiving rolls around, Dale Rankin, his family, and the tenants who live at 10 Sadler Street in North Providence may not have the holiday they expected. I was expecting the holidays, sitting down and having turkey and enjoying the holidays with my family. And... Now I'm stuck in a hotel in, you know, in Warwick. Rats and rat droppings are in his house, according to him, living inside of the walls and chewing at electrical panels. Rankin said he was told by exterminators the issue arose due to a pregnant rat that got inside. He says not only did that create a nest, but also an unsafe environment for everyone inside. My house is totally infested. Come right in. He and others are now in rooms like this one at the Extended Stay America with the clothes they left in and a few other items. Now, he's hoping for help from the town of North Providence. If you're in charge of your town, which the body government is, they should be the ones to look over our town and literally keep an eye on our town and take care of the matter so it doesn't get to this level. Rankin has brought the issue of rats on his property to attention before. Back on November 17th, Rankin says he discussed the matter with the town council, only to find out that after that meeting... More burrows were popping up around his property. Ah. 15 to 20 burrow holes in our property alone. Mayor Charles Lombardi is well aware of the situation on Sadler Street and said Rankin's concerns did catch his eye, prompting a special meeting among the mayor, the town council, the inspections division, and pest control. We'll continue to address his his needs, so to say, but um, some of the things he's saying are very, very questionable. Lombardi says he wants to see documentation on the rat's presence, like the number of burrows on Rankin's property. Rankin claims between 15 and 20 burrows, while Lombardi says he was told by professionals there's only one. As for help, Rankin is concerned not only about the rats. We can't escape it. We can't get away from it. But also the costs he could face from this issue. Mayor Lombardi says he wants to help Rankin and others in a similar situation, but refuted Rankin's claim that North Providence had a rat infestation. I question that. And I'm not happy about him making that statement. Rankin says he will be in North Providence Town Hall on Monday to once again address his concerns. He also says he has a meeting with an exterminator to talk about how long he could be out of his home. That could possibly be up to about a year in North Providence. Oh, my God. A year. A year. Oh, my God. Can you think of anything as hideous as that? Wow. Holy cow. Folks, good afternoon at 141. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. This portion of our program, folks, don't forget Brood Awakenings. Stop in and see them today, whether it's breakfast or lunch. You can also order online. Fresh ingredients. They have the drive through in Johnston and Warwick. Cozy environment. Full-service bars. The Providence location is beautiful. Uh, look for them. It's Brood Awakenings and online, broodcoffeeshop.com. Our friend uh, David does a, um, a terrific job. I also want to um, 
I think I just saw, folks, the Patriots in first place is is really just tremendous. But what did I see? Um, let's see. Uh, let's see. Um, debate can begin with release of Hall of Fame ballot, including David Ortiz and A-Rod. Can Mac Jones become the first rookie quarterback in the Super Bowl? Why not? There's a piece in the Boston Globe. Now, I thought um, he's a rookie. Uh, no rookie quarterback has ever reached a Super Bowl. You know, what about when didn't I thought Dan Marino was I'm going to Google this. I I wasn't Dan Marino. Didn't when he played for the Dolphins and that was the only time that he uh, that, that that they made it when he he. um. Yeah, let me go. Dan Marino, Super Bowl. Um, he played in one Super Bowl, and they lost to the 49ers in 1985. Um, uh, For some reason, maybe, maybe not. Two great quarterbacks. Marino, all right. What, what year was he? Marino. For some reason, I... I thought uh, that that was, let's see, after a successful college career, be named in, oh, he was the last quarterback taken in the first round, 1983. All right, so it must have been his second year. Okay. It must have been his uh, second year that he was. All right, so no rookie is ever gone, but Mac Jones is, look at that, all the talk. But folks, a big part of this, and I know I'm not doing a sports show, but it is is where Belichick is just brilliant is the defense. He, if you have a strong defense, you're always in the game. By the way, congratulations to uh, the Hendrick and Hawks yesterday with a huge win in the high school Super Bowl. Huge win in the Super Bowl uh, over LaSalle. So, and one of the things that I think that that it actually helped them. One of the things that I think actually helped Bishop Hendrickson, I may write about it later on the the website. One of the things that um, that actually helped Hendrickson was there's a writer for the Providence Journal that posted that he thought LaSalle was going to win. And the Hendrickson coach, Keith Croft, actually kind of used it as bulletin board material. Not everyone would have done that. But it reminded me of the Jacksonville Super Bowl when Bill Belichick shared with the team that the Philadelphia Eagles had already released where their Super Bowl parade route was going to be. So I thought that was, um, and it was, how outrageous that was. But uh, but I think that, that he used it um, successfully. So uh, let's see. Biden claims American workers are seeing higher wages. Wages are actually down. Um, I want to get. Uh, he did acknowledge the tragedy in Wisconsin. So, and then we have the situation with that parade, which is um, just terrible, folks. But let me get to um, some more of the. Sound from the weekend. Now, also, Bill Maher. Bill Maher had on as a guest the new mayor of New York, Eric Adams. And he also had Chris Christie. And they were talking about the uh, Kyle Rittenhouse verdict. Uh, 
Let me go to uh, some of the sound of this. Civil war is likely. I don't think it's a great idea to say to people, you know what, if, if the police are not doing the job as they weren't at that moment in Kenosha, the answer can't be then the citizens have full police powers. That can't be the response, right? No, I guess that's good. No, and I, look, I don't disagree with that. The point, though, is that you can't use an individual case to send a broader societal message if the laws don't cover it. So what you need to do then if we're concerned about that, and we should be, is then we need to go after the laws and make sure we make it very clear to people that you can't take the law into your own hands. But that's what you need to do, not convict somebody who, under the law, was not entitled to be convicted. You know, what I believe we must take into our own hands, my plea to America, we must take our country back. We are allowing the fringe elements in both of these conversations to really hijack what everyday Americans want. We want safe cities, educate our children, and to be gainfully employed. You know, that is, he is so impressive, that new mayor of New York. And it is true, they did have a demonstration um, in New York on Friday night. But that's it. That's it. You know, there were a lot of people that were sending me messages uh, do you think that they're going to burn down all the cities and here we go and the protests again? A couple things about that. Number one, as I've talked about, you know, it, it's one thing when it's July, August, September and it's 80 degrees or 75 degrees and everyone's outside and it's nighttime. And, you know, that's one thing. But. Let's face it, but who wants to be outside? You're not going to be outside in this weather when it's this cold. A lot of people won't when it's, you know, below 40 degrees. It's just not happening. And on top of that, as much as there were some people who were trying to get everybody riled about it, um, this, uh, you know, there's a lot of activists that still saw this for what it was, which was a white. A teen, a white teen who shot three other, you know, three white guys. So the whole thing of the, you know, the Jacob Blake situation, that, it would have taken a lot more. It would have had, I think, would have taken a lot more to erupt in full-fledged rioting around the country. And and by the way, that's not to say that there were certain people like Congressman David Cicilline who are willing to put out misinformation in order to try to achieve that, as a matter of fact, um, who were hoping to try to get people riled up. But it's it simply it simply wasn't going to it wasn't going to happen. So they tried. I think they definitely tried, but too many people actually kind of looked through it and saw that this was not a matter involving police as much as some people want to portray it that way. So it wasn't. It was... Some activists 
that and members of Antifa that were trying to for no just attack and go after Kyle Rittenhouse. I mean, right? I mean, that's what happened. That's what happened. So, boy, Thanksgiving, folks, uh, grocery inflation is um, is just is just brutal. It just is. It's not your imagination how much people are are paying in the grocery store to get all their um, everything they need for Thanksgiving. So I want to also play. This is the Good Morning America piece about what happened with an eyewitness in um, in Wisconsin, and the, the story is just uh, terrible. Let's hear it. Who was attending the parade with his family and Matthew? First of all, our hearts go out to you and everybody there. Oh. How, how are you doing this morning, Matthew? Um, I didn't get any sleep last night. I kept replaying what I witnessed and what could have potentially happened to myself and my children, and just. Um, just thinking about the families that were affected last night and their lives are forever changed. Um, I just re- was replaying that over and over again last night. can only imagine you doing that, and, and, and it's hard to imagine what you and so many others witnessed. Can you please tell us what you saw yesterday? So just uh, my two girls, uh, Harper and Delilah, five and two, uh, took them there to have a wonderful experience. Um, they were enjoying picking up the candy, seeing the floats, um, and just all of a sudden I heard screams and chaos coming from my right. Um, and that caught my attention. I looked over and I saw an SUV coming towards us relatively quickly. And I knew that wasn't part of the parade and I knew something was, something was wrong. And, um, right when it was coming towards us, it was maybe half a block away. I wasn't sure what was going on. That's when time slowed down and sped up. And I just, I didn't know what was happening. I just didn't keep my, take my eyes off of the SUV, but at the same time I was grabbing my children, and the next thing I knew, my back was against the wall of the building, and hungered down with a bunch of people. You know what's interesting about that is behind, all the morning shows had everybody at the same area. That's why you can hear the other interviews going on. Let's hear the full report, though. Five dead, uh, 40 wounded at this Christmas parade in uh, Wisconsin. Uh, According to officials, at least five people were killed and more than 40 others injured when a red SUV plowed into Waukesha, Wisconsin's Christmas parade. A red SUV came barreling down the middle of the road, kind of swerving in and out. I would say maybe going 30 miles per hour, and I did see it. Here we go, folks. Hit people um, after after the car kind of passed through. The speeding vehicle seen on camera barreling past crowds and marchers before slamming into a high school band and other groups. The horrifying moment caught on camera from a neighbor's balcony. And witnesses say the driver say the driver didn't stop there. My son was in the parade, um, marching with the Waukesha South High School Band. I was helping pick up some of the some of the instruments that were still laying in the street and you know that picked up a crushed bloody saxophone it was it was it was it was pretty awful. Panic also caught on camera in the aftermath. Lawn chairs and possessions left behind. People screaming for their loved ones. The SUV plunging into the crowd at 4.39 p.m., striking dozens of people. 
firefighters marching in the parade springing into action with 12 departments assisting the injured. Warsaw Public Schools will be closed tomorrow. Requesting that everyone uh, continue to stay away from the scene. Um, the roads will remain closed at least 24 hours. According to police, an officer discharging their weapon in an attempt to stop the vehicle. No bystanders hit by that gunfire, but the hurtling truck narrowly missing families lined up to share in the holiday spirit. It just struck me afterwards in the aftermath of everything, just how you have so many people who are there just to spread joy and cheer and be positive, and it just changes everything in an instant. Well, they do have, they do have the suspect. Um, they do have someone in custody, and everyone's been reporting it. There was definitely some hesitation. Folks, good afternoon at one fifty-four on this Monday. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. They, um, they do have the person uh, in custody, and it all, I mean, they're still calling him a suspect, but it sure seems like he fits the description of exactly who it was who was, you know, going through. And then they have this um, this individual who uh, who filmed a rap video and has the car that was driven in the video. I want to play Biden staff has tried to they tried this new technique. They're playing music now as soon as he finishes. So you don't hear reporters yelling out their questions to him. And he finished speaking just a short time ago. And I want you to, this is different. It's kind of like an award show when they say, you know, thank you to the foreign press. Thank you. And then walk off and then they, they cue the music. I want to hear how this sounds. Thank you all. (laughs) It's so odd. It's so odd with the, um. With them now playing the music as he's walking off to try to drown out that people are yelling questions at him. Uh, he, th- here's the real answer. He is incapable. He is incapable of answering any questions that are not written out for him. L- a lounge saxophone music plays over reporters as they shout questions at Biden. So, and then he just walks off. To them playing this, this is different. They tried to play elevator music to drown out the questions from the reporters and blasted that as he walked away. Now you can listen to elevator music while he refuses to take questions. (laughs) That's different. I haven't heard that. I haven't heard that. That's a new technique. You know, how about when there's someone uh, that's giving a speech at the Academy Awards and a lot of times the music gets them to move it along? I want to re- replay at 157. I do want to replay um, the fact that um, I, I thought it was very good. David French on CNN talking about how the media dropped the ball with Kyle Rittenhouse. I think the media dropped the ball. Parts of the media dropped the ball on covering this case from the start because right from the start there were a couple of things that were pretty immediately obvious. One was we knew what Wisconsin self-defense law was and the other one was there was a lot of video evidence out there in the public domain and what the video evidence showed was that Rittenhouse was being chased 
before he fired fatal shots, that he was knocked to the ground, he was attacked before he fired fatal shots. And if you knew Wisconsin self-defense law and you knew sort of the rules around an open carry, then you knew he was going to have a strong defense. But what a lot of people did is they took the foolishness of being there, the recklessness of being there in and of self, a 17-year-old armed with a rifle going to a riot to social unrest, that's ridiculous. 17-year-olds shouldn't be doing that. And they conflated that with all that followed. And that's a big mistake. That's not how juries look at it. Juries look at the law. They compare the law to the facts. And under Wisconsin self-defense law, he had a strong defense. And honestly, it was pretty apparent from the beginning that he had a strong defense. How much of this is about slogans that were attached early on, like the slogan about crossing state lines, you know, and how much this is about information that didn't come out right away, that only came out at trial, that then changed the picture? You know, I think trial fleshed it out, but okay. there, was an, there were an awful lot of people who knew the contours of the defense early on. The videos were out there early on. And I think there were media outlets who just did a disservice by not noting that Rittenhouse was running away. This is somebody not, who was not aggressively approaching people. He was running away. Mm. Under, even under Wisconsin self-defense law, there's some, sort, there's some modified versions of a duty to retreat, but some, he was being pursued by that first, the first person he shot very aggressively. And so these kinds of things were not amplified enough and so that's one of the reasons why i think the verdict took millions of americans by surprise on its own terms folks again his name is david french listen it's 159 it's john DePietro. thank you for listening we're back on the radio tomorrow at 11 i want you to stay tuned for the two o'clock news the latest on that christmas parade in wisconsin and then you will hear the john dion program wnri when socket you